Hey, welcome back to the Zenner Zone. I'm your host, DJ Zenner, and I'm glad you joined me in the zone on today's very, very special episode. That was Margot Gurian with Sunday Morning off of her 1968 debut album, Take a Picture. And on this very, very special episode of the Zenner Zone, we're going to be interviewing Margot. Me and Jack Kelly, DJ Jack Kelly, special guest DJ, interviewed Margot this past week via phone call, and we had an incredible conversation about her music her career, some of her friends, and just some of her thoughts about life and what she's been up to. And uh, we can't wait for you to hear it. Margo is an incredible person and she has some incredible stories. So we hope you enjoy the interview and uh, I'll see you on the flip side. Hi, Margo. Hi, Jacob. Yeah. Good Hi to there. hear you. You can hear me? I can hear you. Awesome, awesome. Hi, Margo, I'm Jack. I'm also gonna be in the interview. Um, sorry, I didn't hear that. I'm Jack. I'm I'm Jacob's friend and partner in the radio show. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Okay, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Mario, for letting us get a chance to just talk with you. It's, it's really, really awesome. Oh, piece of cake. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're both big fans. Oh, thank you. So, um, we were just wondering... Where did you grow up, and what was it like growing up? Oh, Far Rockaway, New York, uh, which is a little town, um, maybe about 50 minutes outside of New York City, and um, let me see what's interesting. There's nothing interesting about Far Rockaway. Uh, <laughs> Growing up, were you were you playing music from from a very oh young yes age? yes from the age of six. Um, my parents started me on piano lessons um, at six, and I continued all the and I asked constantly, "Can I quit?" <laughs> and they said no. Um, and they had me uh, pounding the piano uh, from the age of six on till I was out of uh, high school. And then I went to Boston University, um, and BU was great. I had a, a really good time there um, for four years. and. Uh, that was the end of school. I was working for Creed Taylor. And if you know music, you probably know Creed's name. Um, he, he had, I had gone to see him uh, about something else, uh, about music, I guess. And he said that his label was just taken away from him. And this was at ABC Paramount. He said, you have to excuse the mess my secretary has left. And I said, well, do you need a secretary? <laughs> uh -huh. And he loved the idea of having somebody who 
new music be his secretary. So that was my first job. He taught me a lot, really. Um, Creed Taylor taught me. He would get a test pressing in, and he would say, um, listen for clicks and pops. Don't listen to the music. And, of course, I listened to the music. Um, but he taught me a lot about what to listen for in a test pressing. Um, and so my education continued. I had, uh, I had a plant, um, and I had put it on a radiator and Creed was the kind of guy who who would say, I think it's done, <laughs> <laughs> because it was on a radiator. Uh, he, he was terrific, and he lived very close to me, and my cousin, uh, with whom I was brought up, um, painted. His father was a doctor, and he wanted a doctor. He didn't want a painter, and Peter, my cousin, would um, make little soldiers out of, um, out of clay, and he was terrific, and his father really wanted a doctor. Uh, so he was constantly being punished um, for not being a doctor, <laughs> I guess. And, um, and Margo, was, yeah. I was just going to ask, uh, did, were your parents supportive of going into a, a career in music, or did, were they reticent about it? Like, do they want you to be a doctor or something like that as well? I don't think that they were really um, into the music thing. My father one time sat down and and took a piece of paper and in a tiny corner wrote music. And he said, what you're doing to yourself is you're prohibiting yourself from experiencing life. He said, this paper is all of life, and this tiny corner is music. And so I really fell for music. They didn't understand how I could do that. I was just going to ask what it, at the time when, because that seems like a, that's a very interesting uh, graphic to put into a, a kid's mind. What, I was wondering what you thought about it at the time when they, when your dad did that demonstration with you. 
I thought he was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that he simply didn't understand how, how I felt and, and that music, well, it was, it was just terrific for me. Um, and I liked it very much. And one day, do, do you know um, the music of David Frischberg? Dave Frischberg? I've, he, we, I don't think I've heard of him. Yeah. Um, he, he was a friend of mine. And he called me up and asked me to walk over to his place. He lived in Greenwich Village. And um, I walked over there, and he played me a, a piece that I thought was gorgeous. And it was by the Beach Boys, and it was God Only Knows which I thought was just gorgeous. And on the way home, I stopped to pick up the record at a record store. And um, there was a long line outside. And when I got in the store, I didn't get on the line, of course. Um, I walked into the store and I asked for God only knows and they said get on the line <laughs> <laughs> so um, all those people were ready to buy the Beach Boys record and um, I got home and with the record, and I played it over and over and over again. And then I sat down and I wrote Think of Rain. And I, I just changed my whole approach to writing music, and that's how that happened. That's great. It's just, that's just amazing. God Only Knows is like, my personal favorite song of all time. Yeah, it, it is so good. Um, that song, and so think of rain is the first song I wrote. Um, That's a pretty amazing first song to write. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just sat down and at the piano and and wrote wrote that. So it truly changed my life, that song. Because once I wrote that, I began writing other songs. I, I could never go back to the way I had been writing. I had been writing jazz things. And um, that was the only way that, that I could express myself after that. So at that point, were you, those songs you were writing, were those all for Take a Picture? Um, they weren't for Take a Picture. I never thought that I would make an album. But I guess 
stuff happens, and it, <laughs> if it happens, it, it's supposed to happen. So if Atlant, I read that at one point you were you were I think you got a contract with Atlantic, but that didn't end up working out. Um, oh yes, that was that was wonderful. Uh, I walked. I walked into Atlantic. I, I had made the appointment. My parents insisted on going with me, if you can <laughs> envision that. Um, I hated that. And um, they said to me, where are your demos? And I said, what are demos? I, <laughs> I, I hadn't heard that term before. And they looked at each other and rolled their eyes, and they said, well, what did you expect to do for us? <laughs> and I said, I thought I was going to play you songs. And they said, oh, okay. And they took me to a room that had a piano, a, a little upright, and um, I played songs. One, and they said, continue, keep going, and I did. And then they reached into a desk drawer, and they pulled out a bunch of contracts, and they said, we want you to go around the corner and uh, do the same thing for our engineer. And it was Tommy Dowd who was the engineer at that time. And uh, he later became a terrific producer at, um, uh, at Atlantic Records. Anyway, I, I did the same thing. And that's how I found out what demos were. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so so at that time, you could just call Atlantic Records and make an appointment? Right. right. That, that seems insane. Well, I, I made the appointment. There was a woman attorney who knew somebody at Atlantic, and she, she got me in. Okay. That's how. With Atlantic, were you... Were you, I read that, I think you were writing more than you were performing, like that was what the contract was? Oh, definitely writing. I, I never wanted to be a performer. Um, and uh, when I had done enough and was taking my demos around to see if I could you know, get um, somebody established who would do the songs. Um, it was um, you went you went to Bell Records, correct? I went to Bell, right? And they said, "Why don't we record her?" So <laughs> I I was given the opportunity to record, and I, I did, and that turned into um, my album, 
which was the only one that I ever did. Um, uh, another one was um, just a bunch of demos that was put together as an album. And that was uh, Bob, what, what's his name? Uh, he has a radio show. You said his first name was Bob? Yeah, and he has a radio show. Hmm. On WXMFMU. Bobby Weinstein? No, no, but I know Bobby. <laughs> uh, I know uh, Bobby Weinstein, and we were friends. What is his name? It's only because Bob? I'm talking to you that I Bob? can't remember his name. Is it was it Bob Brookmeyer? That was your no, was but your... I was married to Bob Brookmeyer. <laughs> <laughs> A lot you of are, Bobs. That's all the Bobs funny. we can find. <laughs> yeah, Bob Brookmeyer oh, was my was first it... husband. David Rosner was my second and long-time husband. Brookmeyer. Uh, he had problems at that time, um, and he he was a terrific guy, very funny, um, and I still think of him as being terrific. Is it possible that the, the Bob you were thinking of was Bob Sherman? No. 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 I think Bob Sherman covered Think of Rain, right? Oh, uh, yes, he was the... Bobby Sherman was the first person to record Think of Rain. And, and, the, and then after that, Belafonte did a record of... Oh, really? Um, I'm on my way to Saturday. Um, and he, he copied... He didn't have a demo, and... He, and Belafonte covered um, 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 Leon Bibb's record. And Leon Bibb did it very straight. Uh, not, not Calypso at all. <laughs> and Belafonte should have done it the way he did material, not the way... Leon Bibb did material because <laughs> Leon Bibb was, um, oh, by that time I had just gone to the Linux School of Jazz and John Lewis was um, um, Leon Bibb's brother-in-law and um, he gave the song to um, to Leon. Leon did it. And then Belafonte just copied uh, uh, Leon Bibb's record. Gotcha. And I, I, saw, I saw Belafonte one day on the street, crossing the street. 
and um, mm-hmm. in the middle of the road, I said to him, "You did a song of mine," and he he turned and he 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 said, "What song was that?" And I told him, "That was Belafonte." Wow! And yeah. then at Linux, is it true that you were taught by Bill Evans and Max Roach? Yes, at the Lennox School of Jazz. Um, who who was the first one? Bill Evans. Oh, yes, he was up there, and Max Roach was up there, and I was put in a group that was headed by John Lewis, but John came in and took over from Max Roach, and Max was terrific, and I wound up doing liner notes for a Max Roach album. Oh, Um, I've played drums myself, and Max Roach is probably my favorite drummer ever. So that's that's amazing. Yes, Max Roach. Are you a drummer? Yes. (laughs) Ah, so that's how you know so much about music. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You've done a lot of playing. Yes. My favorite thing in high school was playing in the jazz band. Ah, that's great. Um, you you yeah. must have been very young in like being thrown into the in a room with like Max Roach and Bill Evans. Was that like extremely intimidating, or did you were you up to that? What? Um, I guess I was up to it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's incredible. Um, yes, John Lewis, um, Max Roach. There there were other people that were students at Lennox, like Larry Ridley, who was a terrific bass player, and um, Steve June, who was a pianist. There were a lot of good people. And there were people that I'm in touch with today um, that were... I'm, they were all kids. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, at, at that time. And or, I, I was going to the older guys. <laughs> Ornette course. Coleman was one of them, right? Ornette was there. He was brought there by John Lewis uh, from California. And Ornette and Don Cherry were both there, and they used to uh, sit on twin beds facing each other and practice. <laughs> they they used to play their horns, and boy, they had stuff down to perfection. I mean, really perfection. It, it was uh, it was a terrific time. It sounds that sounds just like an, an incredible experience. Yeah. Well, uh, I just wanted to ask, uh, 
you said you mentioned earlier that you never wanted to perform. I'm just curious why that is. I I just didn't. Um, I never wanted to travel. I never wanted to perform. I just really wanted to be a writer. I kept plenty busy writing and not performing, so I I didn't want to travel. I just didn't. And you, when you said travel, are you talking about the the whole going on tour lifestyle of like oh, living nomadically? It was a lifestyle, and mm-hmm. um, I just didn't want to be any part of it. Mm. We're we're big fans of Harry Nelson, and I know he also never wanted to play live. Oh, before. I heard Harry first on the radio. And I thought he was terrific. He came, he he had his first album, and I had my first album, and we had a listening session up in David's office. Now, David uh, worked for April Blackwood, so we listened to my record and Harry's record, but Harry, what a talent he was. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, uh, we read to where that he was going to cover Think of Rain, but it never got released. Is that oh, true? Oh, he, he loved Think of Rain, and he was going to do it, but he promised me that he'd let me hear it, and um, he never did. And somebody who was collating his work at RCA um, found a tape box that had Think of Rain on it, but it was cut out. He took a razor blade and, and just cut it out. And oh, I would, wow. I, uh, I would love to hear, you know, what he did. Yeah. With why it. do you think? Why do you think he cut it out like that? He didn't like it. Oh. He he didn't like what what he had done, I guess, and um, he just cut it out. Um, the person that found it, um, said that he did that frequently, that he cut mm. things out that he didn't like. Um, Interesting. But what what a voice on him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I read once that he, I, I don't know if it's a true story, that he, like, blew out a vocal cord, like, screaming with John Lennon. <laughs> Oh, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he became friends with John Lennon. So anything um, that you heard might be true. Mm-hmm. Did you maintain a friendship with him, or did, was it just kind of that one, that one point where you were both releasing albums? Well, I told you that I married David Rosner, and <laughs> we 
one time were visiting California, and we went to Harry's house, and he had everything new there, a new wife, a puppy. He took me into a closet and showed me a kitten, a cat that <laughs> had just had kittens. And um, he, he had everything new um, at this point. Um, but uh, David saw Harry again really weeks before he died. And um, that was so sad um, that Harry had to do that to himself. But he did, and that's what happened. Mm -hmm. he, he died young, I think. Yeah. His, I think he was in his 50s. Not, not much more. Yeah, yeah, very sad. I'm, right. It, he was an amazing artist. Right. Well, what else can I weigh on you? Uh, I mean, going back to your career, uh, when you released Take a Picture, what what was the feeling there? Because, I mean, you mentioned that you never really anticipated releasing an album. No, um, I I never thought I would. It was Bell Records that said, well, why don't we release her? And <laughs> then they wanted me to go on the road. They said, it's time for you to start producing. And I said, I just shook my head and I said, I, I can't do that. That's when they dropped me. Do you ever do you ever look back on on that the that ordeal and and maybe like wish that you had gone on the road or do you how do you feel about that decision with like in hindsight? What decision? The decision to again? not the decision to not go out on the road. How do you? Oh I mean, no, back I've never been years, sorry. Like, I've never, been, never sorry? been sorry. No. That's good. No. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it was wise because um, I, I just didn't want to do it, and um, I, I don't think I would have been very good at it. Mm. It's okay. It <laughs> yeah. really is okay. We had a, a, a we had a few more questions. We know it's probably okay. late there. Um, uh, we were just wondering, do you have any advice on love? Do I have any what on love? Advice on love. Any advice? On love, no. yeah. No. No advice. <laughs> Everybody has got to find their own way on that one. That's, yeah, that's yeah. a tough one. You can't tell anybody anything, anything to do. That is something that each person has got to find their own way around, I think. That, and that's honestly great advice. <laughs> what? Um, that's, that's a great advice, too. 
Uh, well, um, it, it's not really advice. It's it's something that each person has got to solve. It, it's a problem that each person has got to solve on their own. I yeah. Think. Uh, I think so, too. Well, uh, uh, next, another question for you. Um, yeah. When, because your your music seemed to have like a revival in the '90s, and people rediscovered it. Uh, what what was that feeling like? Was that super exciting? Did it make you feel like a like maybe oh, a kid again? Was, that was amazing. A guy named Cornelius discovered it in Japan, and I had my first uh, CD, and it was uh, very gratifying to have uh, Cornelius discover it. I hope he comes to the United States one day and I can meet him <laughs> because he was a big influence. That's fantastic. That's It's a pretty crazy story how everything, how your music is now. I don't know. A lot of our friends love your music, and it's just crazy oh, how. That's how, great. That's so yeah. nice to hear. Um, yeah, a lot of really, people were really excited when we told them that we were going to interview you. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm appreciative. I really am. Well, we're, we're really appreciative of that you coming and talking to us. It was great getting to chat with you, Margo. And, uh, um, well, it's great. It's great talking to you and thank you for, um, being interested and thank you for giving me a head. And if you ever want a pen pal or something of the, of the essence, we're always here. Yeah. Oh, I would love to write. Hey, it's DJ Zinner back on the air. And I hope you enjoyed the interview we had with Margot. She's an incredible, incredible woman and an amazing, amazing musician. And I highly recommend checking out her albums, um, Take a Picture and 27 Demos. And I hope you join me next week for the Zinner Zone at the same time. Hope you have a great week and uh, peace and love.